All your base are belong to us. Hello, and welcome to Fake Geek Girls, a podcast looking at nerdy pop culture from both a fan and critical perspective, encouraging the things we love to do better. I'm Missy. I'm a writer. And my shoulders are so tense because I watched Squid Game. <laughs> Which you won't talk about till the end. Which I won't talk about till the end. Now you got a hook to keep people in. Yeah. If you're waiting to know my thoughts on Squid Game, you're going to have to stay tuned. Which I assume you would do anyway because this is a podcast you chose to open. Maybe it's our first time they're like, like, oh, should I listen to this podcast? This would be a weird one to like first listen to because you have no idea who we are and if you could trust us. Yeah, and what's a what's a WW butt? What's a wubbutt? What's a wubble butt? A wubble butt. A wubble butt. A wubble butt. Anyways. <laughs> I don't know why anyone listens to us. <laughs> they think we're funny. I mean, listen, we are funny, but like we're funny and insightful. Like, we're the whole package. We're the whole and package. we're hot. And sexy. What's the Charlie XCX? 30, flirty, and fly. fly <laughs> That's what it is. So smart. <laughs> Missy can read. Missy can speak. Yeah, that's why I do a podcast, because I can read and speak. Yeah. Who are you? I'm Mary. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm Mary. I'm an online marketer. And um, I am going to talk about how fucking disappointed I was in Great British Bake Off this year. <laughs> Um, I know you're all waiting. Yeah. I'm going to go first because I have more. Because wow. I was busy doing stuff. No. I read Ninth House by Leah Bardugo. So good. It is really good. Um, so this is a probably fits within new adult, which if you're not familiar, is kind of an emergent genre that some people now say is dead and some people say is fake and you don't care about the politics of genre distinctions unless you're a, a very specific audience but regardless new adult is kind I of I would uh, not to interrupt you but I would say I'm pretty positive there is an audience that listens to us that is like oh yes 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 <laughs> oh yes, yes oh yes yes yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> we know we know you're there so uh new adult is kind of this emergent emergent genre meaning it's not something that is super popular you're probably not going to find a shelf of new adult at the bookstore yet yet but um it is targeted at the age group between the demographic of young adult which is usually something like 13 to 18 and the general adult audience which of course is any age like anybody of any age can pick up an adult book and read it same with young adult but um it's targeted specifically at the time period between coming of age and having like adult concerns i think it's i wish like i'm glad that it was it exists because i do remember like getting older and reading ya and being like i just don't relate the same way yeah i like these stories obviously they're really good i think the first time i remember actually reading like uh, new adult is um so those books i hate the magic no the one we did an episode on they're really good oh a darker shade yeah of magic. a darker shade of magic and i was like this is it this is what i'm looking for i'm yeah. like reading about adults well you know i think also that uh series that we liked in high school with the dream book boyfriend mm-hmm Sloppy first. Oh, so good. That series starts YA. Yeah. And, and then, then it, it follows her into college. And, and I think it's very good at becoming young, a uh, new adult. I agree. I, I, I want to reread that because I remember reading the college one and, and just not relating to it as much. Yeah. And I was still in high school. So I'm, I'm happy about this um, because, I mean, I have read, I do read things about 
people who are my own age, but it is it does really bridge that gap. Yeah. So this is a way to think about it is often these books will be at people who are in college or just coming out of college. In the case of Ninth House, it is about college aged people, um, by which I mean it's about a girl whose name is Alex and she can see ghosts. And when I say sea ghosts, I mean, like, not in a cool, fun way. <laughs> I mean, in a terrible way. In a horror way. In a horror way. She can see ghosts, and she ends. She has a really difficult life because of her ability to see ghosts. Um, she ends up doing a lot of drugs to uh, keep her visions from... I forgot about that part. Yeah, f- to keep her visions away because she experiences a lot of really horrific trauma as a result of ghosts and it is absolutely worth reading content notes before reading this book because it is not YA it does not shy away from really difficult graphic content so yeah it is worth looking up the content notes ahead of time just to prepare yourself because it is very graphic and it doesn't shy away from details that could really be triggering for people would you consider this a horror I think so. Okay. I think it's a horror fantasy. Okay. It is It is really good. And I'm so... I knew you would like it. Yeah, I did. So uh, she, this character, Alex, ends up being recruited by a secret society at Yale called Lethe. And they oversee the other secret societies at <laughs> Yale, who are the ones that, you know, are... Um, the ones that we hear about in real life, like skull and bones and so on. Um, The ones that, you know, people with a lot of power belong to when they attended school, but it's real. Um, In this book, all of those secret societies practice magic of one form or another. They all kind of have their own unique way of interacting with magic. And Lethe is there, was created actually after a homeless person was effectively sacrificed. Um, and Lethe is there to make sure that that doesn't happen again. They go on practicing their magic while Lethe makes sure that people don't get killed. Now, this is a book. Somebody gets fucking killed. <laughs> and at first, it seems to be not related to the secret societies. But uh, but Alex, the protagonist, is like, I don't know. I feel kind of iffy about this one and ends up uh, deep in an investigation that shows how horribly corrupt everything is. It's um, great. This book, I don't want. I don't want to wade into dark academia discourse. Um, I think did we talk about dark academia at all when I talked about the secret history? We definitely talked a little bit about it. Okay, so the secret history, I think, is kind of the genesis for. It's not. It it didn't invent dark academia in the sense that like I don't think Donna Tartt is out here going like my dark academia novel, the secret history written in nineteen ninety four. But uh, it kind of got popularized over the last few years with like aesthetic mood boards and that kind of thing. Damn, that thing is 22 hours. Secret History? Yeah. That book slaps. It's on my, it's still on my Libby and it still has 13 fucking weeks. Oh man. Um, So this book kind of follows in that tradition in a very different way, I think. Because the thing in the Secret History to me that, that I really loved about it was that in some senses, it's the knowledge itself that corrupts in... In uh, Ninth House, it's more like everybody is corrupt and you're going to learn about it. You love it. Yeah, it was really... uh, It's one of those things that's just kind of gratifying to read... It's really... like I. The thing is, this novel's super fun for me to read. I had a great fucking time. It is fun. 
it's exactly my shit. It's magic. It's murder mystery. It's dark. It's gritty. Other people's mileage may vary on my use of the word fun. It, there's... Her writing is just fun to read, though. Yeah. Like, uh, Six of Crows, it's just, it's easy and fun. Like, I found, I didn't read Ninth House, I listened to it, but it was, like, a pleasant, it was pleasant. Yeah, I, like, it's fun for me to read this kind of really dark stuff in a way that maybe isn't fun for everybody. When, the reason I brought up Dark Academia is because I think this book does a good job of, like, talking about power and, uh arcane knowledge and like the way those things are intertwined and like because the the thing is these secret societies have knowledge that other people don't have access to and that knowledge give them gives them power and to me if we're going to talk about dark academia like I feel like that's that has to be part of it Mm -hmm. it's not just set at a school you know I was uh, (laughs) well if you're having the word academia in it I feel like knowledge has to be involved well no joke Mary I saw a graphic that said that the princess diaries the film was dark academia so if if it was like dark university life maybe but like the the specific word academia I feel like holds meaning there's got yeah for me if you want to really use that term to define something there's got to be an aspect of knowledge to it and like research and like almost um devotion you know just like if you're like oh i read an article on something as opposed to i read an academic paper on something yeah that's that feels like the difference there yeah the reason i bring it up is because i think this was a pretty good example of dark academia which is i think difficult to thread the needle on because Much like noir, I think it's something that was created organically. And when you try to do it, you usually don't do it right. You know what I mean? Like, I've talked before about how noir arose out of just uh, popular filmmaking techniques and constraints of the time. And now we have you know, people trying to make noir and it doesn't hit the same. And I think that this, I think that dark academia could have a similar problem. Um, But I thought this was a pretty good way of looking at knowledge and power and the way that they are intertwined and then being like, and it's disgusting, isn't it? And I'm sitting here nodding and going, yes, it is disgusting. Let me revel in its filth. And the the cover for the book too is, disgusting it is i love it so disturbing if you love a fucked up little thing if you're with me and you love a fucked up little thing it's worth reading if you don't like a fucked up little thing this is probably not for you but i really really liked it i've like immediately went and pre-ordered the second book and i'm really excited to read that one um this really really did a good job for me of being really fun and twisty but also dark and engaging with really dark aspects of college life and power and that kind of thing. It's like, it really hit the mark for me in that sense. It won't for everybody, especially because I'm not joking. This is a really, really dark book. Yeah, it is. It's really, especially the end, the end. Well, that's dark in a different way. I'm talking about what happens with, uh, what's his name? The, well, there's Mithras, right? Is that what it's called? It has been a while. Okay. Well, there's, there's the drug. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think you're right. There's that. And there's uh, everything that happened with her in her history and the ghosts. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's so much stuff in it that is dark in and it's real is the thing. Like the, the really dark parts of this book are the real parts, not the big bombastic magic or the divination. 
um, it's the it's the stuff that really happens. And it's worth knowing about that stuff ahead of time because it does not shy away from the details. Like there's there's one part I'm not going to spoil what happens, but again, it's it would be something that you'd find in content warnings. Um, it was so graphic. I couldn't I honestly couldn't believe it. Like I I I I could not believe how graphic it was. Um and it's not done in a way that's like, you know, it's, it's not, not done, great. <laughs> well, it's I mean, it's not done in a way that's like trauma porny or anything like that. It's literally just like this is what happened to her and we need to feel how horrific that was for her to appreciate the actions that she takes afterward. Um, I thought it was really skillfully done. I really liked the book. It was really effective. And again, your mileage may vary on the use of the word fun, given what I've just discussed. But I had a lot of fun with the mystery of it. And then just kind of like, in the same way that I love Hellblazer, which is a really dark and often upsetting comic. um, I think it's fun to read. And that's how I felt about Ninth House. There's some overlap there in terms of uh, things that I find fun that other people might be like, hey, what the fuck's wrong with you? (laughs) Your turn. Okay. I finished the new season of The Crown. First of all, I didn't know that it had come out um, until like it was out, right? I didn't know. I was like, I don't know. I didn't know it had an actual release date. And I was so excited, and it was pretty good. Um, This season was all about um, uh, Princess Diana splitting with, uh, what's his name, who sucks? Charles. 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 And the drama that comes with that, and him getting with Camilla, um, who he is still with. And she does all these scandalous things like have uh interviews where she's like i don't think he'd be a good king (laughs) um one of the things that really like like shows he is the king now he is the king now i know fuck all about the i only know based off of movies and shows and therefore and and the Oprah interview mm-hmm. with Harry and Meghan, who in my my mind are the king and queen. Harry Styles and Meghan Trainer. Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> the king and queen. I like Harry and Meghan and everyone else can fuck off. Um, no. And this, so it taught a lot about them. It And then there were some like episodes that didn't feel like they really fit. So there was a story about... Um, the guy that she ends up dating, who they get in a car crash with, there's a whole episode about his dad and how he came to prominence from being really poor and how he's a pretty shit person and how he really, uh, what's it called when you're obsessed with England? An Anglophile. An Anglophile. He, he wasn't full Anglophile, but he was, he, he pretty much was, like he bought an old um castle and like redid it in hopes that the queen would come what <laughs> i thought you were just gonna say to like live in it. <laughs> no he doesn't live in it <laughs> what he's really rich apparently he's really rich so they have a whole episode about him which is interesting but it but like i'm i'm assuming it's there to like give background to this guy that she ends up dating but i don't think it necessarily needed to be there i liked the episode but it just kind of felt like Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, they also talk about um, the relationship that the queen had with Russia. And when one of the Russian presidents at the time 
came over who they did state was an anglophile and was really pumped to be there why and is everybody so fucking obsessed with england i don't know i don't think it feels i don't think it's as much that like that anymore and they start actually talking it's about because that. doctor who isn't as good anymore <laughs> no it started it started <laughs> that's my spice. in the late 90s they start talking yeah, about it was that. because of doctor <laughs> I I bet you there is some connection just in how ingrained it is in, in culture. I, the only reason I say that is because everybody was an Anglophile in the mid 2000s uh, because of Russell T Davies' yeah. Doctor Who. Uh, I, that's my only base. <laughs> I don't know why other people were obsessed with England. So the reason I bring up Russia is because uh, that episode had one of the hardest episodes ever to watch in The Crown. It was the story of um, her her father's cousin who lived in Russia. He was like a, I don't know what's it called when you live over there. An expatriate? No, like, uh, an ambassador. Yeah. Something like that. And his family was there and there was a Russian revolution, I guess happening. I can't remember like what it was. I think it was the, the Soviets. Russia's had a few. Yeah. I think it was when the, so like USSR was, I don't know. Don't, don't ask me. Anyways, he pleaded to the king and said, please get us out. Um, later on, you find out that he leaves it up to the wife. Uh, this story was actually really good. He leaves it up to the wife and the wife says, no, we may regret it. While they think that they are getting saved, they're woken up in the middle of the night and they're like, they're like, but we're, um, you're, you're leaving. The, the king is, the king has come for you and everyone's rejoicing and very excited. And like, before we go, we need to take a picture to prove you're alive. So they like, they put them up against a wall and you know what's going to happen mm. and they shoot them all. And it was really graphic. And I was like, holy shit. I couldn't watch it. It would like, I, I got about a third of the way into when they were killing them. And it just like, it was too much to watch. It was really intense and I, but it was good. Like, I don't think they, I, I think it was brave of them to really lean in because this show is not graphic in that way, but this was a horrific thing that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was just, it was that, that one-off episode of, of talking about that was really good, but then it like built more into the story between the, the queen and, and her king, um, were also kind of separating, but they they weren't separated. They he just didn't really love her anymore. And um, at one point, they go to Russia, and um, because she comes over, he's like, and she's like, I'm not doing anything for you unless you give these people an actual barrel. Like they were killed there, and I know, and the guy, who, the president, actually was at that house when it happened, so he was part of it. And in, in Russia, and he's talking about how if she doesn't, like, get her act together, they're going to shove something in her butt and sort of something oh like God. that. Yeah, it was really awful. It was a really, like, intense episode. They bring him over. They have to ID the, all of them, the, all the people that they find buried in the backyard. And ultimately, they don't ID two of them. Also, it's during, during like, the like beginnings of using DNA. And the queen says that DNA... <laughs> And it's very funny. She's like, the use of DNA. And the king comes really obsessed with his lineage and DNA and all this stuff and how they, and, and ultimately they don't, um, they don't ID two of them. So they don't have the, the funeral. And it was just like super disrespectful and all this stuff. One of the most interesting parts of that storyline for me was the king at the time, he wasn't seeing this younger woman, but they were like, he called her like a companion. And oh, like Dr. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> oh my God. 
No, not like Dr. Hugh. <laughs> Dr. Hugh? Hugh. Dr. Hugh. Dr. Hugh. Dr. Who, more, it was like um, they they would go to... They, if this is somebody's first episode, they're going to think I'm fucking obsessed with Dr. Yeah, Who. Yeah, it's true. that You are. I've watched Dr. Who since 2012. Um, they ride, they do carriage racing together. Um, and they, and she becomes a normal activity when you're fucking rich. It is, um, they become obsessed with this DNA (laughs) and she has, this sounds sounds like a comedy show. it's It's not, they talk about, um, and she's like, he, he tells the queen, like, maybe you should talk to her. You might learn something because he's always had this, like bitterness that he came from nothing he didn't fucking come from nothing but he's the king and so like compared to her he's come from nothing and uh he he essentially blames he somehow is related to these this family that died because of course everyone's inbred um and he's like you would learn something from her she doesn't want to talk to her because she's like he's there she's pretty much like they're fucking i just know it um and she talks about how like her great-grandmother had some like ill will against the wife and they had like um she didn't like her because she was prettier than her and the queen's just listening to her and then she like that's what the books will tell you but let me tell you the real story and essentially it was she did it because she loved her country and she knew it would bring um it could bring war to the country and it was just 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 a really good like ex like showing this girl who she's not a villain and you don't dislike her that's not how the show brings it up but she gets caught up in this like the drama of of the of the royal family and um the queen is just like it's so much more than that it's it's about doing what's right for your country and i think that it was a really interesting storyline um but yeah i liked this season it was good um i Obviously, all the stuff with Diana is like that's what everyone's watching, not watching for, but that's what everyone's like loving right now. I think it did really good in showing that she clearly had a lot of mental health issues. Like, she, and she was open with that. She was open with like her depression and very open about her eating disorder and her attempted suicides um, and things like that. But I think it really showed that she now everyone's obsessed with her, right? And they've been obsessed with her for a long time. And everybody, at least in America specifically, um, is like she can do no wrong. But there, but it's clear that at least according to this, that she is definitely like stirring the pot on mm-hmm. purpose. And I think that was interesting because it's something different than than we see. I don't think any member of the royal family, by blood or by by marriage, is uh, somebody <laughs> who I would, you know, place a bet on that they're going to heaven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She cheated a lot. I don't. Uh, I don't know that much about the royal family, but I just assume anybody that wealthy has blood on their hands. <laughs> well, with with her, I think the reason why people loved her and why it was probably the worst thing that Charles ever did by splitting up with her was because she would do things like go see children in the hospital. Sure, I, I think as but far it, as but, royals go, she's yeah. the least disgusting. Yeah, but she like wouldn't bring press. She would do it just yeah. because, and then it would get out and all this stuff. Um, but then she also like hooked up with the doctor. She doesn't seem like a disgusting human being. No, but she I doesn't. Still, I still don't. Tr- I don't trust a royal. I don't trust a royal unless it's Meghan and Harry. <laughs> I don't trust them either. I love. They're they're my Diana. I am. <laughs> I am for them. I was cheering when uh, when when uh, what's his name and uh, 
Kate Middleton were being booed mm. at, in Boston. Uh, they just had like a big race, not them specifically, but the um, royal family had a big like racism scandal. Some I'm, sh- I'm color me shocked. An, I can't believe an, it. An older lady, they were having like some gala. An older lady went up to um, a black woman and was like, "Oh, when did you come to England?" She's like, "I was born here." And she's like, "Oh, you're really gonna have to make me work to know where you're from, aren't you?" Oh my god. Yeah, it was terrible. These people. And I think the woman was like highly regarded, just like very professional person who's Disgusting. done a lot. Yeah, it was just terrible. Disgusting. Anyways, the show was great. Um, it was really good. I think that the having the one off episodes about things kind of felt jarring at times especially when they went backwards in time um and i thought they were interesting and good i just don't think that we necessarily needed the backstory to tell different stories that were happening um there's my guess is they didn't want to focus at all on diana and charles but i think that was a lot of the drama that was just happening then because everyone else is older they've learned their place um and uh, it is quite funny to see Prince Andrew because we all know what he was doing. I don't. Oh, he got. I literally don't know. Anything. I'm almost positive that he was. He was the like only one confirmed who was like with Jeffrey Epstein. Like, oh, there's pictures okay. of him with young women. He's like not allowed to go anywhere anymore. Okay. Um. So it's interesting to see him and how gross he is in the show. You know, he he might not have been gross, but they're like, we got to make him gross. <laughs> So, um, I literally, I know fuck all about the Royal family, except that everybody loves Diana and she yeah. did, a, she did a lot of good things Yes, in while part of the Royal family. Yes. She, I think that my favorite Diana thing is, um, the one with, um, Kristen Stewart that is like literally begins. So, yeah. It begins with, this is a fairy tale and not mm-hmm. real. And I think that's the best way to come at it. Cause there's no way you're really going to get the full real yeah. story. So I think coming out of like, this is not real. And this is like a fever dream was so good. That show, that movie is so fucking good. It's probably one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the crown was good. I love it. I I've, I've always loved the crown. Um, it's just really good TV. It's if you don't like slow and like, muted colors you're not gonna like it but it's one of those ones where it's high drama but it's super slow Mm -hmm. um but it's good i really like it nice um i watched the twilight zone by which i mean i watched i looked up the top 25 episodes of the twilight zone and i watched those ones uh and this is the original twilight zone the black and white version and the reason i did that is because it's like five seasons long and uh, it's an anthology series, so you can pick up anywhere and watch any of them and have a good time. And let me tell you, this show fucking holds up. The Twilight Zone is so good. Like, it's really, really good. There's some banger fucking episodes of that show. <laughs> um, like, episodes that will forever change the way I feel about, say, looking out the window of a plane. Oh, God. Jesus fucking Christ. That was so much scarier than it had any right to be. This is a very scary looking little man. Um, so the Twilight Zone, if you're not familiar with it, which would be kind of wild, but it takes youngins. All, it takes all kinds to make a world. Um, the Twilight Zone is an anth- anthology series by Rod Serling that started, I think it's Serling, no T, uh, started in the late 50s or early 60s um, that featured uh, individual episodes telling a different, um, we'll say speculative fiction, so sci-fi, fantasy, horror, that kind of thing. Um, each episode would have a different pres- uh, premise and would feature different characters. They're as far as I know, wasn't continuity between episodes. 
Um, and it, uh, it had very progressive for its time values, like hmm. kind of to a shocking degree sometimes. Um, and despite the fact that the show largely aired in the 60s, some of those stories were so fucked up. Really? So fucked up. Like, I could not... The The one that really got me was actually pretty low on the list of the top 25, which is about this little boy who's very close with his grandmother. And on his birthday, she gives him, like, a telephone, like a fake telephone. And then she dies that night or, like, very soon after. And then he starts getting phone calls from her. And he starts doing really risky things, like running out in front of cars. And oh. his parents are like... Why would you do that? We didn't raise you to do things like like that. And he's like, Grandma told me to. Oh God! <laughs> I was like, that's so fucked up. Um, but yeah, if you like, you know, like a good sci-fi fantasy horror story, this is it. It's so good. Like it holds up so well. Um, I talked about. I think it was actually in the last what we've been up to talking about. Um, uh, when Harry met Sally and before sunset as like or before sunrise as perfect examples of what they are and the fact that like you can remake them now and they could be good but like the original is still worth watching like innovating on it does not necessarily make it good i think twilight zone is the same way like there you could certainly make more good twilight zone series today i know there's the jordan peele series i have only watched the first episode of that so i can't vouch for its overall quality but you could certainly make more good twilight epi- twilight zone episodes today but that doesn't the old ones are still really fucking good it's like, probably like black mirror would be the most similar that or modernized. or what I understand about Black Mirror is it's maybe a bit more preachy overall than mm. Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone does get quite preachy sometimes, but um, like Twilight Zone has an episode that still fucking works as like climate change from the 60s. Wow, interesting. Like it's it, it's really, really good. Hmm. Absolutely worth watching if you want something short and impactful and um, just like really strong storytelling. And it's totally like, if you don't want to sit and watch all five seasons, like I did not want to, you can look up a top 25 episodes and like go through it that way. My personal favorite episode was the one with the boy with the telephone. Cause I was just like bowled over about how fucked up that was. Um, also nightmare at 50,000 feet or whatever, which is like the very famous one with William Shatner and the creepy thing on the plane. Um, God, what else? Uh, there's one that inspired the movie cube. Interesting. I can't remember the name of it, um, but it was also inspired by, I think it's this, I'm so sorry, I think it's the Sartre play No Exit, which also inspired The Good Place. Hmm. Um, The episode was inspired by No Exit, and Cube was inspired by the episode, and The Good Place was inspired by No Exit. They they all kind of like stem from this source of Hmm. No Exit. Um, So yeah, it's really good like absolutely worth watching you can kind of hop in anywhere or look at a list or whatever or just look at what sounds good and it was like i was kind of amazed at how good it was i watched the most disappointing season of the great british bake-off <laughs> to ever live i was so pumped about this this like great british bake-off season i love the great british bake-off it's one of the it's like it's for- because mary's an angle <laughs> Because she loves Doctor no. Who. It's because... So I've watched this before. I really like learned that I love to bake. But um, one of the things that I do love about this show is one, like they're all really nice and like they're not there to like sabotage each other. I like that. But what I like the most about this show is it's not about these like 
grandiose, like make a helicopter out of cake, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it just, it's more about like what they're making and they're making like really like the technical challenges are often like things you haven't heard of and they take a lot of technique and um, just like different kinds of things that are like interesting to watch be baked. So they're not like cupcakes, right? Mm-hmm. Make a fucking pyramid out of cupcakes, like accurate to size or something. I don't know. A lot of baking shows are like that and they're not about the actual baking. They're like spectacle as yes. opposed to technique. Yes. And that what I like about the Great British Bake Off is it isn't like that. Um and it still wasn't. It still wasn't. There were there were some there were some things like in the showstopper, but that kind of like that's kind of how the showstoppers typically are. Yeah. So it wasn't that surprising. Um but what really sucked where some of the challenges were so bad. The most famous, which will probably be the most famous. Infamous. Yeah. Of all time was Mexican Week, in which, let me remind you, this was a baking show. Their technical challenge was street tacos. <laughs> what in the world are you baking in street tacos besides making, even making your tortillas? That's like, yeah, you don't them. bake those. You don't bake those. Um, and then they had the audacity to say things like, oh, it shouldn't be stuffed too much. <laughs> what? Um, they made a trace le- leches cake. And um, he said, Paul Holly was like, you should not have any milk seeping out the bottom. You absolutely should have milk seeping out like the Jay's bottom. cake needs a soggy bottom. Yeah, that's like, I saw so many people who are like, it is blasphemous that you said that. If it's not seeping, it's not right. Um, so that that episode was you just... You put three milks in there. Yeah. It better you, be a wet-ass cake. It better be a wet-ass cake. <laughs> a whack. Yeah. Um, And like people, like it's obviously like, Mexican food here is obviously more popular than it is in England, including like guacamole. That's, and it's so tragic to think about that. I know. I, but I'm sure they have foods too that we are missing out on and that's yeah. tragic. But like, like, it's really tragic to think that there are people in the world that haven't had good Mexican food. And I say that as somebody from Washington, yeah. which is still far away from like good, good Mexican food. But it's better than that, I guess. Yeah. People didn't know how to say guacamole. I can't even say the way that the one girl was saying guacamole. Guacamole. No, it was like <laughs> guacamole or something oh. like that. And she was cutting it as if it was an orange. Did they say tortilla? They said tortilla. Pica de gallo. Pica de gallo. Yeah. Like all those things that you say could, to be funny, they were serious. <laughs> <laughs> Salsa. Not that one. <laughs> Pica de Gallo and tor- Tortilla were just they like at quesadilla. first quesadilla. I mean anything you could think of. Um, My grandma says quesadilla. Tres leche. They said weird, but I will give them that because I can't say it like correctly, so I'll give them that. But My still, brain. Is, I still said it better. My them. brain is corrupted by French. Yeah, that makes. Sense. I can't. I don't know if it's tres leche or tres leche. I don't know. I said it. My husband made fun of me. Mm. Um, he speaks Spanish. So he's like, that is not how it's said either. And I was like, oh, I still said it better than them. Then they had um, Asian week in which people were like, they made, first of all, let me remind you, this is a baking show. Also, Asia is a huge fucking country. What is Asia week? <laughs> they made egg rolls. Egg rolls. Jesus. <laughs> that was our technical challenge. There were two Asian people and they told them their egg rolls were bad. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair i don't think that i think that people were like they've never made them before our egg i'm gonna look at it before i ask questions um 
What else did they make during Asia week? It might not have been Asia. Let me double check this. Oh, it was, was it Japanese week? No, that's 2020. They had a Halloween week. Um, They had a custard week in which they made ice cream. Yeah. Remind you, baking show. Yeah, you don't, you cook, you can make a custard ice cream, but that you don't bake it. Oh, it wasn't Asia week. It was, um, I'm sorry. That was, that was wrong. Okay. We won't make fun of them for things they didn't fun. do. Yeah. What was it? It might have been pastry week. That's that they made egg rolls. Yeah, they I made spring rolls on pastry week. I I suppose. I, yeah, that's the thing. I guess I suppose. Um, one of the strangest ones for me was uh one of their technical challenges were s'mores. Wow. Um, they didn't look like s'mores. I. What is the technique needed to? Well, okay. There are lots of techniques to make a good s'more, but I'm going to guess they weren't all about the uh, my favorite technique, which is burn it black, take the layer off, burn it black again, take a layer off, burn no, it black No, it was made with digestive crackers. Okay. Well, I don't know that they have graham crackers. I don't know either, but I don't know if any cinnamon was used on them. Um, and then they made their own marshmallows, which I really want to do, but they told them, they're like, you can't torch them too much. They can't be burnt. They mm. have to be just golden. Um, and they were round. Okay. And they couldn't melt the chocolate. Oh, I'm sorry. They all didn't use bar chocolate. They used ganache. Okay. What the fuck? I have a theory. My theory is that they really wanted to like try to get more of an American audience. I'm wondering if by butchering, yeah, foods we're familiar with. Yeah, I think that's they what were it is, rage like, baiting. Americans love Mexican food. Uh, Americans love s'mores. S'mores were created by the by the Girl Scouts, so like totally America. Um, and Halloween week. Halloween is huge in America. Yeah. I know it's big in other places as well, but the way in which they were doing it really felt like it just a lot of it felt Americanized. And I think that's that sucks because something the Great British Bake Off does well is they pull things from other countries and that they people have to make. Yeah, all the I, ones they colonized. <clears throat> yeah, all the ones they colonized. Um, um now it's America's turn. Now it's yeah. Uh and I just think like not that like there aren't American things that are, like, interesting to make. But, like, if you're going to choose, like, an American food, s'mores isn't the one to choose. Yeah, you would think, like, baking. apple pie. Apple pie. Um, uh, we a, have a dump whole, cake or something. Have, oh, my God. I love a dump cake. Yeah, something like that. Like, a, probably the worst named food. Yeah. That's so delicious. Could you, I, I think it would be really fun to do a technical challenge where you're telling them you're making a dump cake. Yeah. Um, and... I think that, I, like, there are so many other things. S'mores, don't get me wrong, delicious. Um, having to make your own crackers, your own marshmallows, and your, your own ganache. Better for baking, I guess, than fucking tacos. But it's just, like, s'mores? <laughs> they told one girl she was making, I can't remember what it was. She ended, she's, I won't spoil who she, spoilers, it was the winner. Um, she made, uh, I think it was, like, a cheesecake with peanut butter and strawberries. And they're like, oh interesting flavors and I was telling Missy about it she's like I don't think peanut butter is very popular there and I was like well obviously not <laughs> because it's peanut butter and jelly yeah peanut butter and like strawberry like just like a whole strawberry or something would not be my like go-to I would probably see that and go oh interesting and then I would go oh peanut butter and jelly yeah and it's it was but I don't think peanut butter is huge yeah I'm not I'm not an anglophile. 
but I don't. I, we could Google this, but I like sitting in. The, I like to be ignorant. Yeah, we're Americans. Yeah, we're it's Americans. Our cult- that's our real cultural tradition is to be ignorant. Maybe that's why Mexican weeks work so well. <laughs> they were really just trying. They're like, we're gonna be as American as possible, and we're gonna call it a tortilla. Um, yeah, it was it was wild. It was really it was sad. Um, there obviously were some good good episodes, but I feel like the bakers weren't as good. And the people who did make it, besides the one person who won, I don't think necessarily were, like, amazing. Um, And I don't know. They're obviously all wonderful, good, better bakers than I am. It just didn't hit the same par for me. And I don't know if that's the baker's fault as much as it is the show's fault. In like, I feel like Paul literally said he went to Mexico and came back. And I think he's like, I want tacos. He probably went to uh, one of those closed resorts, resorts yeah. in I'm Cancun where you don't positive. leave. Yeah, I'm almost positive. And, and he ate Taco Bell. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and so I just couldn't. I had Not heard, even taco time. <laughs> I know, Northwest right? fresh. Gosh. Um, I had heard about this episode because I was about a week behind before I watched it. And I was like, like. There's a lot of different things you can bake from Mexico. Like there's sure. a huge amount of things. They made the like the, a flan. They would you bake flan? See, here's what I yes, I've never you made bake flan. flan. Yeah, you put it in the oven. Oh, okay. Um here's the thing. I'm pretty positive. Maybe not. Um they did the pendulce. Mm. And that was good. They should have done flan for the technical challenge because it's not yeah. super easy. Yeah. Especially if you don't know what it is. Any kind of custard is it's finicky. They had they had a custard week. They couldn't have even done it on there. Yeah. Um. So it's just like I just think they tried to Americanize it, and by doing that, then they, they made themselves look like fools. That's the true Americanizing. Yeah. Is to I make just, yourself look like a fucking fool. They could have done so much if if they did want to Americanize it. There are things that they could have done. They could have I don't know done s'mores. Don't get me wrong. I fucking love s'mores. But if you're going to make a cracker, like they made digestive crackers, right? Mm -hmm. At least make a graham cracker. Mm -hmm. If you're, it's not like they're given the crackers. Right. Um, so it was just, it was, (laughs) it was good. I enjoyed it. I watched it all. Um, then my husband and I go to watch the Christmas special and I was like, well, they can't fuck this one up. Right. It's the Christmas special. Like they're going to make Christmas food. They open it up. These are people who've never baked before. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? I didn't watch it because I don't want to watch people who can't bake at the Great British Bake Off. Yeah. Like, that's not what I want. That's not what I'm watching. So someone at my work um, suggested Big Brunch, and now I'm watching that. Mm. And, and it's hosted by Dan Levy. Oh, that's and nice. so far, it's good. But He's I, so pleasant. He is. And it's good. And it's people who are like... Um, want to do good things for their community and stuff. But I was telling my husband, I think the difference with Great British Bake Off and something like this is they really are, not that they're not vetting these these cooks and stuff, but the Great British Bake Off, they go through a lot of different vetting and they're not choosing people based off of how good a person they are. They're basing it off of like, who has the best skill. So while like something like Big Brunch and other things, obviously... They're still amazing cooks, better than I could ever fucking be. But they're not necessarily the best, right? They're yeah. just uh, the best of people who want to, like good people. I'm Jesus. I'm sorry if you can hear me laughing. It's because my cat is absolutely hollering. <laughs> I don't know Jesus. who's coming through on the microphone, but it's so loud. Jesus. I'm not laughing at what Mary's saying. I'm laughing at my cat. So, anyways, I'm watching Big Brunch, and so far it's okay, but. 
No, no previous seasons of Great British Bake Off. Bummer. Yeah. Ma- make them do an Alaska. Uh, what's the one again? Baked Alaska. Baked Alaska again. That was when someone just dumped it. In the I remember trash. that. I, I think about that a lot, actually. <laughs> that was really relatable. Yeah. I that's yeah. I felt that way when I was making pie for Thanksgiving. <laughs> I finally we drew Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> out of the movie jar. Josh pump. Yeah, he couldn't believe it. He started laughing, and I immediately knew as soon as he drew it and started laughing that it was Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic the Hedgehog is a movie about Sonic the Hedgehog. The end. The end. Um, this movie has a rating of like six point five on IMDb, and I truly think that this was the most six point five movie I've ever seen. It wasn't bad. Um, and I say that as somebody who has very little patience for wisecracking cartoon animals. Um, it is a movie about a cop, and that sucked. Um, but it was cute. It was a cute movie. In this movie, I don't know anything about Sonic the Hedgehog lore, and I fucking hate Jim Carrey, which is funny because Jim Carrey is the star of two of my favorite movies, but I cannot stand his comedic acting. Um, anyway... He plays Dr. Robotnik and he's a bad guy who hates Sonic. I don't remember what his reasoning was. Sonic's like an alien. He comes from a different dimension and then he he's the people are after him. Some bad guys are after him because they want his powers. And then he comes to the he comes to our world and lives in Montana and (laughs) ends up ends up uh, hanging out with a man I thought was Mark Wahlberg for some reason. It's not Mark Wahlberg. It's, what's his name? James Marsden? He's a real actor, right? If that sounds right. He's not the one that played Spike, which is who I always get their names mixed up. Oh, that might be who I'm thinking of. Uh, it's not the actor who played Spike in Buffy, which is what it, he was in Enchanted. It's the guy from Enchanted. Um, and they team up to go get sonic's rings which are portals to other worlds back and you know what it was pretty cute if you like a little buddy buddy movie about a a man and his weird little friend um it was solid i don't have strong feelings about it i don't need to watch it again um josh has told me i've heard from numerous people that the second one is better um and i'm sure that'll come out of the jar at some point and i will be forced to watch it as well I didn't I I say forced to watch. I didn't hate the experience of watching it. Just it's not a movie for me. A person who does not like the Sonic the Hedgehog games even a little. Not even a little bit. I do not like them. And I don't have the patience for a wise wisecracking, a wisecracking little blue man. Um, it hits its target audience, I would assume. Yes, if you if you like Sonic the Hedgehog or a little buddy road trip or a little wisecracking animal, you will probably find something to like hmm. in this movie. Or if you're a child or a child at heart, perhaps this movie will be for you. If you're a crotchety old woman who hates Sonic the Hedgehog, <laughs> this is an all right movie. I, I think it was pretty well received. Well, like it, the 6.5 is like generally the consensus for the first one, which I think is because like, you know what? I expected that to suck and it didn't. Um. Hmm. So, like, I think there was a lot of pleasant surprise when watching it. I have heard the second one is legitimately better. Um, I do dread watching it because I know I'm going to have to see uh, Tumblr sexy man Jim Carrey (laughs) as Dr. Robotnik slash Eggman. And I hate that for me. (laughs) He's like, I don't know if he knows he's turning into a Tumblr sexy man. 
I think he does. But he has that, he has the Tumblr sexy man vibe and it's so disconcerting. Like, I hate it. I I actively hate it. I'm really glad I wasn't tutoring anymore when this movie came out because I know the kids would be quoting Dr. Robotnik at me all the time and I would um, leave. I would abandon the children. That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) But it wasn't terrible. Um, Have you heard about Puss in Boots? Yes, I have. <laughs> Shrek's response to Logan. Yeah, <laughs> I want to see it. Oh my god! It just reminded me of Buck that. Wild. Um. Anyways, my next thing was American American Terror, which is a podcast, um, done by I can't remember his name, but he's a he's a journalist and he Doctor writes, Who. No. <laughs> he's a Canadian journalist and he writes about terrorism. And he kind of got, um, he talks about in there, like, one of the things that, I don't know if he's known for, but his probably, like, one of his most highest profile things was he was doing um, reporting on terrorism. And the Canadian government said, we need to know who your sources are, because this Mm. is a real thing. And he said, absolutely not. I'm not giving you my sources that will that will put me as a journalist like at jeopardy mm-hmm. and I'll never get sources ever again. And they took him to court and and he lost. He actually lost. Um, so then he went to America to report on American terrorism. And it was really interesting. It went through um, he was he was uh, researching and infiltrating um, alt right groups before January um, 6th. And uh, he actually had someone come to him and be like, hey, I infiltrated this like Nazi white supremacist group. You want to listen in on our phone calls? <laughs> and he broke this story of these like terrible people who are just recruiting. They're just white supremacist Nazis who are recruiting people. And uh, it went back far back to like um, one of the most interesting things was they had planned to bomb the what's the big bombing from the the government building from years ago you Unib- was it the unabomber who did it i honestly don't know um fuck i gotta know it's like the biggest domestic terrorism there's the oklahoma city bomb oh i think it's the oklahoma city oh okay um they had actually like this one group had planned to do it but then they ended up backing out they talked to this one guy who ultimately left and he talked very candidly about all the all the death he had planned on doing and um, all the killing he had planned, death he planned on doing, all the killing he had planned on doing, and uh, a moment where he went to a church that had a lot of um, gay people in it, and he thought he was going to walk into an orgy with children, and he just he walked into exactly what it was people worshiping, mm-hmm. and uh, he had this moment of like um, these people aren't doing anything, they're not hurting anyone. Why am I here? And what what I appreciated about this is his story was really interesting. But the guy who his, who hosted the podcast said, "I'm extremely skeptical of people who were as far in as he was to actually have changed." Mm-hmm. I think ultimately he did believe him because he has um, the man now has um, children and grandchildren. Some are non-binary and some are trans, and he spent a long time just showing him pictures of his grandkids, mm-hmm. um, things like that. So he's like, "I'm still not 100 percent." like believe him but he's not the person he was sure talked a lot about that talked just a list like everything that would go behind like january 6th stuff um it didn't talk as much about QAnon, um which is great because i've heard enough about that um it talked about things like much more deep-seated i think within um because QAnon is crazy right it's crazy people are crazy but he focused more on um 
I'm so sorry. The, again, the laughing is because of my cat hollering, not at what Mary's saying. Uh, white supremacy is so ingrained in our... Jesus! <laughs> is it time to eat? Yeah. Okay. She got fed late, though, and I fed her a little extra. It's time, though. Um... Uh, these things are so ingrained within our culture. It was, I think he focused more on those things because they are not like looked at as like, oh, that's a wacko person, you know? Um, but these are things that actually affect our culture and, um, have been for a long time. QAnon is fringe. White supremacy is not. Exactly. Exactly. These people, like, it was, it was pretty crazy. Like just the things that these people do and want to do it was just interesting to listen to us like literally a couple days after i listened to us we had everything with kanye west who's like literally saying he's a nazi um just wild one of the things i thought was most interesting and he was i'm pretty sure he was hesitant to talk about this but i thought it was really interesting that he did was um foreign white supremacists and nazis going into ukraine and fighting for ukraine and he's like I know Russia said this is happening and that is not the reason why they invaded and they are wrong, but it is, but I, he's like, but I need to acknowledge that this is happening. And he's like, and it's not just Ukraine. This happens in other countries. And um, he went and talked to a few people in Ukraine. And and ultimately for a lot of, a lot of it is they need people who will fight. Yeah. And the people who are going over there specifically. I mean, there's white supremacists in our military too. Exactly. Well, they talked, they had a whole episode about how bad the military is and how, how the police. Yeah. They just like this whole episode about specifically the military branch is, is the military its own branch. Or Marines. The Marines it's is a specific the branch. It's not the the army. I don't know. One branch specifically. My ignorance is showing. Yeah. Had an extremely high rate of people who would become white supremacists. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he traced a lot of it back to the fact that we just don't support our troops. Like yeah. we don't support veterans when they come home. Mm-hmm. And like. That is a and huge white part supremacy of it. and fascism p- prey on alienation. Exactly, exactly. That's and the exactly military what was happening. The armed forces aim to alienate. Yes, their people. Yes. like the the military. They aim to do that because it makes for more yeah. loyal and effective soldiers. One of the one of the people they talked to, he um, he had depression, and I think he might have tried to commit suicide there was something had happened i think there was some self-harm and he was discharged and because he was discharged she didn't get all the benefits mm-hmm. um from from being uh, in the military and so he you know he was preyed on um it was just a really interesting um podcast oh like i was saying so specifically with ukraine what's happening what's happening is white supremacists specifically from america are going there to get military training Mm -hmm. without having to go into the military Mm -hmm. um and i think and he like he was really careful the way that he tried it through he's like i want to be really clear that this is not the majority of people it's not even close to the majority of people but this is happening um, and he said he's like it's same with Russia too. It's 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 gonna be it's gonna happen on both sides. But he specifically any, talked to any place from a white Ukraine. person can get a gun, yeah, and kill somebody yes. with it. I think is a breeding ground for white supremacy, yeah. or not necessarily a breeding ground, but a um, appealing to white yes. supremacists. Well, and a lot of times th- uh, these men who are coming and they are men who are coming into these these groups are 
older and so it's not like they can go get military training because they can't join the military necessarily so they they need these military because they want to it's the quintessential burn it down so we can build it back up like Mm -hmm. literally they're uh, one of the groups i can't remember what it was but their literal goal is to bring the collapse of society so Mm -hmm. they can build it back up to how they want um so they want like the one of the things they want to happen is for guns to be taken away. Right. Because they believe that will cause an uprising. Yeah. Um, it's It was really interesting. If you're at all interested in any of that stuff, I highly suggest it. Um, it's terrifying. Um, and it's scary to see how far back he can trace these things and how going forward it's still happening. But I think it's important to know that this is not a new thing. Mm-hmm. It's not something that stopped with the civil rights era. It's right. not something like these are this is real thing. I mean, you can you I think most people understand that it is now, especially with with like uh, Kanye West and the current shootings that have happened, um, you know, all of them and um, the different dog whistles that like Fox News is, is using. Um, I heard someone be like, they're like, Alex Jones is like, we use dog whistles, Kanye, not whistle whistles yeah <laughs> it was wild um so it's i think it's important to listen to but it is difficult um but i think if i, th- I think it's important especially if you're white to just understand like where this is coming from mm-hmm. because it's, it's so not, it's ingrained it's not a individual person problem yes. it's a societal problem. and these people running the, they're not stupid no they're not stupid that's another people like to attribute racism and bigotry to a lack of education yeah but they're not stupid no they're they're creating cults and um you see this in a lot of cults just in general but specifically young men are very easy to convert to these things because they feel as if they're being isolated they don't realize that the patriarchy works against them as well Mm -hmm. they can't have in like all these different things and so they're being taken advantage of for that and it's 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 sad sucks yeah um but i highly suggest podcast it was really really good nice uh i watched dairy girls season (sighs) three i'm saving that for my winter break it was very charming i feel it it was a bit rushed in my opinion i felt like it could have used another episode or two and there were some loose threads that i was kind of bummed weren't explored further um but i mean it's dairy girls it was still really good (laughs) like dairy girls was so good it's just such a charming show it's so i love the way that it weaves together this very um difficult time in history with just like the experience of being a teenager, you know, I think it's, it's just so effective at that. I don't really have a lot to say about it because we did literally an entire episode on dairy girls. Very good. So thank you for those who uh, listen. Shout shout out to all those people from Ireland. (laughs) I'm always thinking about you and hoping that I didn't embarrass myself. (laughs) Well, none of them reached out. Nobody yelled at me for it. So I'm going to take it as we did a good job. Take it as W. You know who also loves Dairy Girls? Hmm. Martin Scorsese. Yes. Yes. Recently talked. You know who's also great and makes better movies than Martin Scorsese? His daughter. (laughs) How many Martin Scorsese (laughs) movies have you seen, Mary? I'm just saying his daughter makes the best ones. She's the best Scorsese. Listen, I can't hear Martin Scorsese slander right now because everybody is fucking wrong. It's not Scorsese. Bob and I were talking about this last night and he was he's like, listen, I fucking love Marvel. I love it. But they're fucking wrong. Yeah. 
literally few people in the film industry have done more to advance the cause of international filmmaking than Martin Scorsese. What about his daughter? What has she done to advance the cause of she international film? She has two really good TikToks. <laughs> God, I'm just kidding when I say this. She just she's uh, you don't expect to see like him on her TikTok. He's a cool old man. He's uh, he's in her her contacts is Daddy O. Yeah, I just think it's really adorable. Um, that she's just like oh, it's my dad. Yeah. Anyway, Dairy Girls. Dairy it's Girls. a good show, and Martin Scorsese is a good filmmaker. Um, he also seems like just a good guy. I mean, I don't know him, but like again, he likes the he's few, like those nuns, huh? Few people have done more to advance international filmmaking and like solidify like film as an art than Martin Scorsese. Can we not? Just because he doesn't fucking like Marvel movies doesn't mean that he's the fucking antichrist. Oh, God. Anyway, Dairy Girl season three was it was pretty good. It wasn't my favorite season. Um, I would have liked it just felt a little bit rushed, especially at the end. Um, I also think some of it, I think part of the reason it may have felt rushed and a little off kilter was that the one of the, the we lesbian yeah. uh, is in Bridgerton. Uh, and I think there may have been some filming issues because she kept randomly vanishing in a uh, way that felt a bit contrived. Yeah, and this new season's her season. Yeah, it felt a, it felt a bit contrived in a in, and I it felt I felt like I was seeing behind the curtain a yeah. bit, and I didn't want to. What a bummer. Yeah, um, but it's again, it's it's Dairy Girls. It's a good show. It's enjoyable. Even the season that I didn't love as much as the other two was still great to watch because it's Dairy Girls. You know. The reaction that one of the writers of Dairy Girls had to Martin Scorsese saying he likes the show was very adorable. It's on Twitter. <laughs> and she's just like, what is my life? <laughs> I mean, that's pretty amazing to yeah. be like Martin Scorsese. I, listen, Dairy Girls is, is probably one of the best shows on Netflix. Yeah. It's just really, really good. He's And I mean, he's right. Yeah, he's not wrong. He's right, and he should say it. Dairy Girls is a good show. How yeah. about those nuns? How about those nuns? Um, but that's really all I have to say about it, because we did an entire episode on yeah. Dairy Girls. So if you want my in-depth thoughts on Dairy Girls, go listen to that. Yeah. Um, last thing I have is Deadstream. This is a movie I watched last night with my husband. Fresh. Yeah. And wow, it sure was something. So the story is, it's a Shutter-exclusive movie. I think it's made by the guy and his wife. And he, the guy and the guy and his wife. Um, The story is he is a canceled YouTuber who's trying to get his life back. Um, You don't know what he's been canceled for, but he's back on YouTube streaming. And his whole shtick is that he does things that scare him. So he like, um, one of the things he has on there is he's like smuggled over the border. Um, Things like that. Fighting a bear. I don't know if that was actually one, but like big things that like very ridiculous things, just absolutely ridiculous. So one of the things that he's scared of is ghosts. So he goes to spend the night in a haunted house. My husband was like, this is a horror comedy. Sure. I guess. Uh, the guy, I called it a horror annoyer, annoyer <laughs> because he was so fucking, he was, he was clearly, he was being the YouTube person, right? The very annoying smash that like button, um, kind of guy. And he was so fucking annoying and he was supposed to be annoying. Um, he was good at being really fucking annoying. And then about halfway through, you don't really see much. And then, uh, he finds this, like, I don't know. It's like, uh, 
It's like a cart, wood with like a hand on it. And he's like, oh, no, this is really haunted. Got to get this out of here. Soon after that, a woman shows up. She's like, oh, my God, you're, I'm your biggest fan. She's super cute. And um, he's live streaming the whole thing. And her name's Chrissy. She's like, I'm your biggest fan. I figured out you were here. And I just I just wanted to come and help and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you need to leave. And all of his the people watching are like, no, Team Chrissy. We like Chrissy. Stay there, Chrissy. You, go, you suck. Um, if his name is Sean or something. And um, spoilers, Chrissy's the fucking demon. Um, and things get really scary, not necessarily with Chrissy, but the ghosts fucking show up. And I watched about a third of a corner of the TV screen after that because I was terrified. This was not a comedy anymore. This was not funny. There was weird goblin men. There was a slender man, essentially. Um, there were children that were creepy. Um, I think the most disappointing thing and what he really should have done, because I th- thought it would be really funny, is if he, there's um, one of the ghosts is a cop and he kills him and he really should have said a cab because I think it would have been like super funny and performative and it would have been hilarious. Eventually you find out he got canceled because he, one of his things he did was uh, one, didn't like a fight, get in a fight and he paid a bum. He paid a homeless man um, to fight him and put the homeless man in the hospital. And then he also was called out for his racist things like smuggling over the border and having two Mexican people do it. And he, in the end, he's like yelling. He's like, I, I, the only thing I regret is apologizing because he's like, I'm going to die. I'm dying. Like, that's it. Um, it was a weird movie. I didn't really like it. It was scary. I think if you're really into that caricature of like the YouTube guy and you really like horror, you'll probably appreciate it more than <laughs> I did. Um, but I only watched parts of it cause it was scary afterwards. My husband's like, I thought it was more comedy. I was like, it fucking wasn't. It was a horror annoyer. <laughs> so I watched squid game. I'm really glad that I watched squid game after the squid game fervor of whenever it came out late 2022 or 2021 or whatever. Um, squid game was really fucking good. Like it was legitimately Really good. The first few episodes. So, if you're not familiar with Squid Game, uh, congratulations on living blast from the past in real life. Um, but uh, Squid Game is a show about. Uh, it's a South Korean show about a man named Gi Hoon who uh, has a gambling problem and who ends up being recruited through a series of things. He ends up recruited to participate in the squid game which is a competition where people with debt are recruited to compete in children's games that end up being life or death struggles essentially they, they play the most famous one the one that i think everybody knows about so i don't think this is a huge spoiler at this point um is red light green light where there's a big robot girl and you can run forward when she says uh green light and then she turns around and if you're still moving when she says red light uh, you get shot and you fucking die. Um, so uh, it's a. Br- uh, I turned to my sh- my husband as soon as we finished the show and I said, "You know what I think that was? I think that was a feel bad show. <laughs> um, this is not an uplifting show, but uh, as we know, sometimes I like something that makes me feel so angry, and this is that. Um, it is." I thought it was really, really, really well done in like every conceivable sense. My favorite thing about it was that they did have some American actors in it and they were maybe the worst actors I've ever heard in my whole life. Um, And I thought it was hysterically funny how bad they were. Um, 
but the show was really, really good, really effective at what it was trying to achieve. I do agree the ending felt a, a little a little forced, a little funky, um, but... I you said forest. No, a little forced, a little funky. Uh, but the rest of the show was so good. Like, really, really, really good storytelling. Episode six was maybe the most... Uh, I, said, I turned to my husband as like toward the beginning of the episode, like there's a twist. And I was like, if X happens, I will jump into the TV and I will murder Y. (laughs) And I knew immediately that was what was going to happen. Uh, I've not yet developed the ability to jump into the TV and murder the character. It's coming, but I fucking will. Cause I'm so mad about it. That that is probably one of the most brutal episodes of TV I've ever watched in my entire life. It was, just endless like oh fuck oh fuck fuck ugh just like that over and over and over again but again really 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 well done really effective uh story and just absolutely unflinchingly brutal in the right way like this is a this is something it is about the exploitation of people by the wealthy i don't think that's a secret but it is un flinching in its portrayal of that it is disgusting it is infuriating it shows how every bit of this system is rigged from the top to the bottom and it makes you so fucking mad and i love it for that like i really really enjoyed the show i think it's excellent it just it is really really dark and at times really hard to watch um there is something that i would like to be rectified and there's there is one queer character and it's bad. Oh God. <laughs> and um, just just as a forewarning, that's there. Um, and I I don't want to speak too much about that because I haven't done enough reading to be like, here's why that might be. But there are other people have written about it. And it's worth, you know, like keeping that in mind when you go into it. It's not like the show is a bastion of representation of all kinds or anything like that. Not that I think it has to be either. It's just, you know, it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, OK, so that's that's how it's going to be. But overwhelmingly an excellent, excellent show. Um, Really, really well done and absolutely brutal. And like I said, this is a feel bad show. Um, It's not something that is going to make you feel uh, satisfied. It's something that's going to make you fucking furious. And it should, I like, I watched you watch the show and you want to set fire to something and that's how you should feel. Um, So, yeah, Squid Game is act- is good. <laughs> People weren't lying. It's good. Um, that's it for this episode. You can find us online at fakegirlscast.com, which has all of our previous episodes, all of our, what we've been up to. Is, again, you can go listen to the Dairy Girls episode if you want more about that. I think it would be cool to do a Squid Game episode at some point. Yeah, I got to get... Um, I got to get prepared mentally. Yeah. Oh, woof. Um, but uh, that's another one of those ones where like we don't have the cultural context for it. So, you know. But it was a good show. Um, Thank you to Emily June for uh, doing our episode transcripts. That's an ongoing project. It's a big project. Thank you. Uh, If you like this podcast, consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash fakegeekgirls. Dollar donation per month gets you 
access to our bonus material. Uh, we're going to be taking a break in December. We'll be back in January with an episode on American Gods. Uh, right after that episode, we are the poll right now is leaning toward Mean Girls. So it'll go oh, American yes. Girls and then probably Mean Girls. And then uh, we've also been commissioned to do Letter Kenny. Yes. Um, so you can look forward to all of those coming coming in 2023. And also we will continue doing what we've been up to until then. Um, that's it. I have to go. Goodbye. Catch you on the flip side. Yeah.